The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is undoubtedly the most famous of the Psalms. There is hardly a wedding or a funeral where this Psalm is not either read or sung. The sentiments of this song are the longings of most people's hearts. Think about the picture David painted here with words. Green pastures, quiet streams, lovely paths. We moved recently outside a city or town area, having lived in and around Glasgow for the past 36 years. We now live in a hamlet of around 850 people. Within a few minutes, I can be walking in farmland with green pastures, quiet streams, sheep, horses, cows, forests, and even the occasional deer can be seen. And it refreshes my soul to spend time each day walking in the beauty of creation. I've been to Israel a couple of times. I've seen the scenes that David depicts here. His idea of green pastures and quiet waters is probably different from ours are, mainly because those things are very rare in that country, especially the part of the country he was from. There in Judah or Judea, it's hot, it's dry, it's rocky, it's wilderness. But you can see how that picture would appeal to David as a place of comfort and peace when you're surrounded by something that's the opposite of it. Visiting En Gedi, where David hid from Saul with his men, you find a place in the midst of the wilderness that has fresh water, it has green plant life, and a lot of gazelles hop around in that area. But the overall picture we find here in Psalm 23 is one of comfort, peacefulness, and great blessings. Where do these come from? They are what someone who's serving God receives, not only in this life, but in the life to come. This is from God's goodness, God's love. Yet, we look at the world we are living in today. War dominates our news. The scenes we see each day from our various news outlets are far from the picture that David depicted. We see death and devastation. We see homes and schools ruined, bombed, entire towns obliterated. We see atrocities and we wonder, where is the peace? Where is God's goodness? Where is God's love? 
This weekend, most of the religious world is celebrating Easter. Many remember Jesus' death, his execution on a Roman cross. He endured great suffering before finally giving up his life. I'm sure his followers almost 2,000 years ago were asking the same thing that night. Where was God? Where was God's goodness? Where was God's love? Where was the peace? Yet, God was there. The Apostle Paul wrote this to the Christians in Rome. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And he went on to write this. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who is raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we ask the question, where was God when Jesus died? Where was God when Christians were persecuted? Where is God today in the atrocities that are committed? He's there. He's there working good for those who love him to come from the bad that happens. Notice that God understands what it's like when we suffer and when people are being killed. He understands because he did not spare his own son when he faced the same thing. As Christians, we realize that this life is not all there is. There's something more. There's something better still to come for us after this life. Yes, Jesus died, but that was not the end of the story. There was more to come. He was raised back to life. He still lives. And he's now at the right hand of God, interceding for us. The best was indeed yet to come. And we have that same hope. No one can separate us from God's love. It doesn't matter what we might face. Even such extreme things as persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, war even being killed. God 
it's still there. And God will give us the victory. We not only can conquer these with God's help, but as Paul expressed it here, we are more than conquerors. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that we find in Christ Jesus. Nothing in this life, nothing in the spiritual world, nothing that might happen to us. Absolutely nothing. This is the hope we have as Christians. Jesus died so that we can have the peace that David described in Psalm 23. So that we can live with the love of God in our lives. Do you remember what Jesus said to those with him just before he was betrayed, setting off the dreadful events that followed and culminated in his being condemned and executed? He said to them, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not, I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Peace is what Jesus gives those who follow him. But the peace that he gives isn't what we see around us in the world. The world's peace is temporary at the best of times. We make treaties to try to keep peace, but it doesn't take much for this peace to be shattered. Even the peace in our lives, peace between us and those around us, even peace in a family can be shattered very quickly through anger, suspicion, mistrust, misrepresentation, or any number of things. Marriages can be shattered, friendships destroyed, love lost. How can we have this peace that Jesus talked about, that Jesus came to give? Well, first and foremost, we need to devote our lives to following him. Because the world cannot give us this peace, we cannot look to the world to find real, lasting peace. As Jesus came to give, give this to us, we need to look to him to find out how to have this peace peace. You know, too often people think the goal in life is to be happy. They set out to be happy. They marry to be happy. But they if they decide they're not happy, then they look to change who they're with, hoping to once again become happy. In my reading last week, I came across this statement. It comes as a shock to some people to learn that Jesus did not die to make us happy. He died to make sinners holy. Now, that statement made me think, because it's true. As much as people pursue their own happiness and think that their goal in life is to be happy, this is not why Jesus died. But if we learn what being holy is about, we are on the way to finding true joy and happiness. If we want peace and happiness, rather than concentrating on ourselves, we need to concentrate on our relationship with God. If we're right with Him, then we have a basis for being right with other people. If we have peace with, with God, 
then we have a basis for having peace with other people. You see, if everyone who follows God has this mindset, then peace and happiness is achievable, not only for us, but for everyone. If we're striving for our own happiness, we are not going to find it. But if we're searching for holiness, we will also find happiness. Happiness in the Lord. That is something worth thinking about. How can we solve the problem between Russia and Ukraine? There is, is actually a very simple solution, isn't there? Everybody needs to turn to the Lord. Because if they were to do that, they would find peace and happiness. Do we want peace and happiness in our lives? Well, if we do, then we first need to be right with God and pursue the life that He wants us to have. If we have our lives set on Jesus, then we must learn to think different. Paul wrote this to the Christians in Philippi. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. In other words, what Paul was saying here is, it's not about us. It's not about what we want. This is not going to make us happy or give us peace. It's when we learn to value others above ourselves. It's when we look at what concerns them that we will find happiness and peace. And Paul described this as having the mindset of Jesus. Think about that. Jesus was willing to leave all the glory of being equal with God to live for a while on the earth. And he did this knowing where it was going to lead, to death on a Roman cross. He did this not for himself. After all, he was already God. He did this because of what it would do for us. And this is to be our example. If we value others above what we want, we will discover peace and happiness. Peace and happiness that we did not realize we could have. But it starts with changing the way we think. What are the thoughts that most people concentrate on? How do people think about other people? Is it not with suspicion? In fact, I've been told by some people Christians sometimes, that they trust no one but themselves. Now, I know myself, and I know that I let not only others down at times, but I let myself down. I'm not sure trusting in yourself is the best idea. Most people, though, throughout the day, feed their minds with negative thoughts about others, negative thoughts about life in general. No wonder they do not have peace. No wonder we see so many unhappy people. If we want to have this peace that Jesus came to give, there are two things we need to do. Here's what Paul wrote. Again, writing to the Philippians. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your, your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends 
all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, if we want to get rid of the worry and anxiety we have in life, we need to be talking to God. We call that prayer. Rather than trying to deal with everything ourselves, turn it over to Him. After all, if I can't find a solution, I need to give it to someone who can deal with it. Notice what the result of this will be. The peace of God which transcends all understanding. You know, people who do not pray, who do not have a relationship with God, won't understand this. After all, how can they, they understand it? They've never done it. They've never prayed and turned things over to God and received the peace that that will bring. Yeah, this peace is described as something that is beyond our comprehension. Yeah, to us it doesn't make sense. But that's the way we can learn to live contented and peaceful lives. Learn to give it to God. The second thing we need to do is to change the way we think. Again, here's, here's what the Apostle Paul wrote. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. See, we need to learn to have thoughts that are lovely and good. If we are, we are always thinking about those things that are false, despicable, lies, suspicions, the terrible things that people do to us, this will characterize us too. We will become angry and suspicious people of anything and everything. But if we think about good, excellent, praiseworthy things, that is what we will begin to see all around us. You see, our mindset is so important. But we must not only think about these good things, we need to do them, to practice them in our lives. It's when we do this, Changing, changing the way we think, which will lead us to changing the way we act. In doing that, we will find the peace that God gives. You know, we may see war and devastation going on around us. We may be disappointed in our governments and our leaders, who often seem more interested in themselves than in those of us who elected them. Don't dwell on that. Instead, Remember Jesus. Remember all that he has done for us. Remember that he rose from the dead. Think about the good that is in life. And remember, the best is yet to come. Through our learning to live like Jesus, we will find the peace and happiness that we long for and experience the quiet pastures and peaceful waters even in the midst of turmoil and sadness. And that is something to think about.